God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing. It's episode 27 of the Loud Pedal Podcast. We come to you uh, from all over the place. Currently joined by Haley Shanley as well, who I believe is in Indianapolis, Indiana. Dylan Welsh is in Charlotte. Uh, well, Concord, North Carolina, if you will, right by the Speedway. And I am in uh, Western Michigan. Haley, thanks so much for joining us this week. It's uh, nice to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I was super stoked when you reached out. And uh, you know me, Tyler. This is one thing I'm very passionate about, love talking about, is women in motorsports. So I'm stoked to get to chat about that today. So first of all, uh, what's your next assignment? Because it seems like you've been all over the place already this year. So where, uh, where are you off to next? I am off to Eagle River, Wisconsin, which is way up there. And viewers on Flow know that is the home of the World Championship Snowmobile Derby, where Chet was up there earlier this year. That's Ice Oval. Well, Ice Oval season is pretty much done here in the States. So um, we had some change-ups in the Amsoil Championship Snowcross schedule, led us to the Snowmobile World Headquarters, that is Eagle River. And they've been making snow, and they've actually laid it over the Ice Oval. So there's this big old snowcross track now in Eagle River. So that's where I'm at this weekend. And because of the pandemic, we we're forced to change venues for our season finale. So we're actually going to be back there the following weekend. So two weekends ahead for me to wrap up the national snowcross circuit. And then it's back to dirt racing here in just a couple months. Haley obviously lives and breathes sprint car racing uh, during the summer. During the winter, she does a lot of uh, snowcross, like she mentioned. You actually became the first um, voice of, um, you know, snowcross racing television-wise, right? Um, a female voice. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, I'm sure that's been a big uh, time for you. It really has. It's been a it's been a wild year. I went into this season just with my the job that I've had the last few years, and that's working on content, social media, and doing some trackside reporting and podium announcing. Um, and I love doing that. And the opportunity came up this year. Our one of our longtime announcers, Mike Schroeder, had fallen ill. Um, to my understanding, it was a blood clot in the liver. He's doing all right, but. Um, just not able to finish the season. So they asked me to step up into the booth and they were they were decently happy with, with the product I've provided. And it was a lot of fun. Um, that, that first weekend was a, was very nerve wracking. That was Deadwood, South Dakota, our third weekend of the season. And um, I hadn't done much in booth announcing. I'd done a, a regional supercross race in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I've done some play-by-play -play for snow bike and pro women's racing, but never for the full night show with ice soccer and championship snow cross. So I'm just like, Oh my gosh, do I, do I have enough material? Have I put in enough work? Because you know, when you're track side, you have X amount of minutes uh, on camera to get all your information out. Well, I have to fill hours here. And it was, it actually wasn't, you know, time-wise, it wasn't as intimidating as I thought it was going to be. I had a really great co-announcer, Paul Small, who was just, we have such, good flow right off the bat so he's made it a super easy transition and i'm absolutely loving my time up there but it's certainly been a change of pace this year how did you i mean how did you get involved in that 
side of the sport from a broadcasting perspective? I mean, I know I know where you're from. It's it's probably more common than uh, than sprint car racing or dirt racing. But uh, how did you you know what was kind of the first steps you took or your first interest in trying to trying to be a broadcaster of it? Yeah, so it, you know, started as just an avid fan. A lot of my friends in, in high school, they you know, we'd they'd ride or race motocross in the summer months, and in the winter they were racing snowcross. So go along with them, check out the races at my local track, ERX, and um, it just turned into a, a lifelong passion for it, and just always been you know exposed to it and been a fan just growing up where I did in Central Minnesota. Um, but uh, I got my first job in broadcasting. I was a camera operator as an intern for a company that was doing live streams of their Thursday night grassroots snowcross series at ERX. So like four, four plus hours in the freezing cold, um, just one intermission, just standing there manning the top cam. Um, and then the co-owners of the track, that's how I got introduced to them. They actually owned a pro snowcross team at the time, Carlson Motorsports. So um, they hired me on to follow them on the tour and do social media video content. Um, the riders were Andrew Carlson, Ryan Springer, and um, Johan, I'm sorry, not, not Johan. There's, there's another rider on the team. I apologize. This was years ago. Um, one of our Swedish riders. So I'd follow them for the season doing video content. That was in 2013 was my first season. So worked for them for a number of years. The riders retired. Um, and then just two seasons later, the series contacted me and we'd kind of been in touch, but um, it just all worked out time-wise. They wanted me to come on board and help them out with video content and social media. And that kind of spiraled into getting on-camera work. It was in 2000. 17 or just beginning of 2018, um, I was working with Kate Osborne, who was our CBS reporter at the time. Um, she's awesome, good friend of mine. She asked me to hold her notebook and microphone while she put on a different jacket or snow pants or something. And I looked to um, my coworker today, still Ted Anderson. I said, Ted, this is kind of surreal. I'm holding the CBS mic. And he's like, no way. I didn't know that's what you wanted to do. I was like, yeah, I've, uh, you know, that's the dream job. So he's like, well, would you want to try a few interviews? And it wasn't for CBS. It was just for the live stream during the day for some filler for the broadcast. So I said, absolutely. So that was kind of the first chance they took on me in doing on-camera work. And like I said, that was 2018 and it's really snowballed since then. So if, uh, if I was asked what has been the catalyst for my career in broadcasting, it has been Amsoil Championship Snowcross. That's a great story. I never heard that story. Um, I actually met you for the first time at uh, well, Tusky 50, right? The Tuscarora 50. We worked together um, at Port Royal. I actually met Chet for the first time that day as well. And now we all work together. Um, you know, and I mean, from the from the very first day, we you know, it was it's been fun working on content, and you know, we've worked together and and got some great interviews. Um, you love sprint car racing. Like sprint car racing is a huge passion of yours too. It is. And sprint car racing, I, you know, I hate to say it, it didn't come into my life until later and in my 20s. Um, I, like I said, snowcross and motocross came first. And once I graduated high school and I was in college, I was on the road um, working for the same company that I interned with for the snowcross races. The bulk of their business was dirt track racing, streaming those and particularly IMCA modifieds, um, sport mods, stock cars. So predominantly in the Midwest, but it kind of brought me um, occasionally all over the country and into Canada. Um, so my first exposure to dirt track racing um, was for the most part modifieds. Um, also did the Tulsa shootout, went down there in 2000, 
12, I believe it was in December to, you know, just do some social media content interviews for the stream. Um, and it wasn't until 2014, I believe it was 2014 or 15 with Speedship TV when we took on uh, a partner that was the National Sprint League, um, Todd Queering series uh, 410 wing sprint car racing. And I knew what they were, but that's when I really started paying attention to it and immersing myself in it. And um, that few years later, um, I was producing the broadcast for USAC when SpeedShift TV was partnered with them. So um, that's a, that's about when probably like 14, 15, 16, when it really become like a big passion of mine and started following it um, wholeheartedly. And now to be able to work in sprint car racing, uh, it's, it's so much fun. And with flow, we get opportunities to cover just a wide breadth, be it pavement, dirt, wing, non-wing, um, 360, 410, all over the place. So it's it's so much fun and um actually years later this wasn't until i think last summer um i started to meet more and more people who race sprint cars from around my hometown like tori knutson tornado tori she lives 15 minutes from where i grew up so we were neighbors this whole time and um so it's kind of cool how it's kind of come full circle in that way but yeah sprint cars a big passion of mine and you know, very, very different form of racing from snowcross and motocross, obviously, but the it's the risk versus reward, the adrenaline part of it that I think just really draws you in. Haley, how valuable have the streaming platforms been for you as an aspiring broadcaster, you know, always trying to get the next opportunity, but uh, just to have a platform, you know, to broadcast sports that, you know, are, are pretty niche, you know, obviously sprint car racing is is still kind of a niche thing, but especially the, the snow cross and all of that is, it's definitely the case there. So for you, how valuable has it been to have a platform to, to broadcast these races on? It's been absolutely massive. So if we're going to look at what streaming online streaming was back six, seven years ago, um, it was very much streamlined compared to, or I should say scaled down to what it is today. Um, it used to be for the most part, one or two cameras, graphics were minimal. Not a lot of companies were using live timing. So it was basically a bare bones feed. And today the production quality has been way upped. Um, and also I think the storytelling has been way upped in terms, like when when it comes to streaming and broadcasting. So the goal has always been to, to work for a big network. I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal to say I'm working with CBS today. Um, and that's, that's very, very exciting. Um, but when it comes to storytelling, providing coverage, um, I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind, like we can have high production quality and we can tell stories and, you know, conduct ourselves as professionally as you would on, on big networks and TV. Um, and that's so I think how we, you know, continue to up the up the quality with live streaming. So it's been really cool to see that progression with live streaming and the innovation. Um, and it's really been a great tool for me to not only hone my skills as a broadcaster, but um, be able to be along for the ride and, and tell these stories with all the different circuits and tracks we work with on the streaming side. So um, to be able to work with these networks on, on the streaming side and be along with that growth has been awesome. And um, we've seen year after year in live streaming, the numbers just, they keep growing. That's a trend we anticipated back back in the um, mid around 2010, like, or I should say more 2011, 2012, as this really started to pick up is this is the future of, of viewership and, and streaming sports and coverage as more and more people start to cut their cable. Um, you know, more and more people are picking up on subscription services online. So it's always on their device, always on their phone. 
And um, that trend has has holds true today and it's going stronger than ever. So it's really been great to be a part on the live streaming side. And I will say it certainly helped my career on the TV side as well. You and your husband um, obviously had Speed Shift TV, which was acquired by Flow Racing. When did you meet Darren? Um, and then how did that all come about? Yeah, so that was um, 2000 and... 2012, December 2012. Um, so the company I was working for, uh, streaming the snowcross races, um, hadn't been introduced yet to dirt track racing at this point. Um, the boss was like, well, why don't you come down to IMIS? It's now PRI, but come to Indianapolis with us for a weekend just to meet the crew and um, kind of get your feet wet in the sport, maybe do some interviews and content. So I'm like, sure, why not? Um, I am 19 years old at the time. Didn't tell my mom that I'm going to hop in a car with a stranger who was picking me up at my college apartment with another one of my coworkers and we're going to Indiana. Um, it was one of those things like I texted her when I got down there saying, hey, here's where I am. Um, I knew it was probably a very sketchy decision. And, you know, I got in the car. Um, my coworker, who I didn't know who he was at the time, it was Ross Weiss, was in the front seat. So we, we hit it off right away. And then we stop at some gas station in the middle of Wisconsin. And we pick up this this shady character <laughs> at, a, at a gas station. We carpool down the rest of the way to Indianapolis. Well, that shady character was my now husband, Darren. So um, that's how we met. And we all worked together in Indianapolis that weekend at IMS. It was some long, long, grueling hours. Our feet were super sore by the end of the weekend. But um, that is where not only I met Darren, but I met Ross Weiss, who's still one of my closest friends today. <laughs> I can relate because I was going to say I can relate because I met my girlfriend in the business too. So I understand, uh, I understand how that works, but it's fun though. Right. I mean, you know, this, this industry is like, it's, it's so hectic and so chaotic and there's a lot of travel, but it helps when you get to work with your significant other. And I know you got, I know you guys get to work at some of the same events together that makes it fun and a little bit easier, doesn't it? It definitely does. Um, and, you know, we're not working as much as, as closely nowadays because uh, we're in very different departments at Flow. But over the years, um, it, our roles kind of flip flopped, which was which is interesting. So at the beginning of Speed Shift, um, he was out on the road doing, you know, he was running the camera. He was also managing audio. Um, internet connectivity like he was the stream like just him and this was even before chet uh was in the picture and i would be back in south dakota where i was living at the time and i'd be on my laptop doing customer service well there were nights i had to work my other job so he would be you know doing tech support on his phone um between races between heat races at, at these events he was doing so um over the years our, our production started to get a little bit bigger so i was on the road in a producer's role and he was on camera and uh you know a few years down the line then we really flip-flopped and i was on the road as a as a producer and he'd be in the office just doing boss man things um and now we're uh now our schedules are a little bit more in line um but it's uh it's definitely been fun and it's it'll test you at times working with your significant other but um it's uh it's good to it's definitely good to get to work together and it's made for some fun road trips i would never do it Never in my life would I work with my wife on, well, I don't like working on her uh, on yard work or like raking the leaves or something. I had to buy, buy a leaf blower the other day because I'm tired of raking the leaves. Um, so yeah, we, we bought a snow blower. Yeah. But no, I, you guys are awesome. You know, Darren is extremely talented at, you know, rights acquisition and what he built uh, with Speed Shift TV and you 
of course, you mentioned you, you've done a camera work. You've done camera work for us this year. I mean, you went and uh, shot stuff at Tulsa that was uh, phenomenal. Uh, as far as the track build, all the track build stuff was shot by you and edited by you. Mm -hmm. All that stuff was you. Like, you're very talented at that stuff. Thank you. That's where like, and that's been another part of my career too, is back when I like started, started working on camera in as an intern and I'm um, just getting my feet wet in, in dirt track racing. And even a little bit before that in college too, I set out with the intention of I'm not just gonna set out to be a broadcaster. I'm going to learn every single element I can to motorsports media, um, be it video editing, shooting, um, you know, audio engineering. I want to learn about um, graphic design, web design, like literally anything I can do to be working in college, um, taking on clients and side jobs just to work in the motorsports industry um, to help me build connections and become more well-versed in these sports. That's what I'm going to do. So this year, when I really got back into video producing and editing, a lot of people were like, whoa, where did this come from? Well, I'm like, it's been there. Um, it's just kind of taken a backseat these last few years as I really just kind of put those things on the back burner to really focus on my my on-camera work. Um, but there's, a, I think, more than ever this year with the pandemic, there is such a demand for content. So I'm like, well, time to dust off the old, the old editing skills and get myself a new camera and get back into it. So yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun taking trips like that. And um, being able to do that with uh, Snowcross as well has been fun, but looking forward to shifting gears back to some more dirt content. So I'll be back on the road um, for the Indiana All-Star Swing in May, and we'll be doing some shoots before then. So you, and I can say this because you work for Flow Racing, that you are part of the voting panel for the wing sprint car rankings and the non-wing sprint car rankings. Um, what do you think about the wing sprint car so far that's already kicked off? I know uh, Tyler Courtney, you know, in your backyard over there, uh, running with the All-Stars, had a good year in Florida. Um, are you looking forward to the Attica season starting, uh, you know, 4-2 you know, and 4-3, April 2nd and April 3rd is when the All-Stars kick off. You ready to go? I am really, really excited. I like what we had seen in Florida um, in talking to a few of these of these characters down at the the Chili Bowl too around that time. We were starting to talk about all-stars and um, Tyler Courtney's one in particular. I'm really excited about that he's racing a solely winged racing this year with the all-stars too, a full-timer at that. Um, so I really liked what we had seen from him last year. Um, and one that stands out to me is the Tuscora 50. I, I remember he went out and won a heat race. Um, I can't remember exactly where he finished on Saturday night of the Tuscarora 50, but I know it was, I know he had impressive runs in the main events on at the, at the Tusky. So um, to go out there and do that in Pennsylvania with the All-Stars too, like, dude, you're sending it. So really excited to see what he's going to be bringing to the table in 2021. Um, but also Corey Eliason, he has been up there in the championship conversation for years now. And um, he's been the bridesmaid the last few years. So I know he is just bringing this intensity into uh, 2021. And he's a driver always always enjoy watching. Um, got to catch up with him a little bit also in January down in Arizona for the Wild Wing shootout. Um, so great to catch up with him. But really looking forward to seeing what he can do again this year with uh, the All-Star Circuit of Champions. I know there's a lot of it's, – it's way too early to uh, make championship predictions right now. But I guess, you know, my prediction is that, that he will be up there um, for sure. Is this Corey license year? I don't know. Could be, um, but we also have um, a number of other heavy hitters in the mix. Um, Zeb Wise, um, we also have Paul McMahon coming back this year. Greg Wilson had a, a decent finish recently with the Outlaws, was it? Was it a top 10? I think I can't he remember. Yeah, 
Yeah, one with USC. That's, right. that's what it was. Yep. Okay. Well, Good deal. Well, yeah. So him and I know um I can't remember if is Skylar G coming back this year with the All Stars. I think so. We we are hopefully going to be releasing a All Stars roster here soon. Now the the um it hasn't uh that I guess the eligibility or whatever to sign up has not closed yet. So we're still waiting on that. Uh and we'll work that with Blake Anderson. But, um, yeah, the All-Stars are exciting. I, it's funny because Eliason uh, is higher in points than Reitzel right now uh, and World of Outlaws points. Um, and Reitzel was running for World of Outlaws points, and Eliason is not running for World of Outlaws points. So Eliason actually has had a phenomenal start to the year. Um, and, and, of course, Reitzel has already gotten an Outlaws win. So um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm super excited about the All-Stars, Dylan. I think I, – I, mean, I, f- I feel the same way, right? Um, you know, with Zeb and – and Anthony Macri and uh, all these guys, it should be a really good year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think, you know, across the board, when you look at, I mean, and Tyler, you know, I've talked about this many times, you know, I think, uh, you know, despite the departure of, of Aaron Reitzel, you know, there's still, uh, it's as deep as it's ever been. So um, I'm excited to, to watch it start and, and, and kind of transitioning to, to USAC in the same vein, Haley, you know, obviously uh, they've raced in, in Florida already with the midgets and sprint cars, the sprint cars kick things off, uh, that same weekend, the first weekend in April, and then the midgets are the weekend after that. So, uh, what did you see in Florida that you like? What do you like about the, how the 21, 2021 season is shaping up on the USAC side? Definitely. I, uh, I'll be honest. I haven't had too much time to pay attention to the midgets. Unfortunately with my winter schedule, it's really overlapped, um, with events with snow cross, but as far as the sprint cars go, um, KTJ went out, won the opener and, uh, Justin Grant went out and won the next night. Two guys who have been so, so competitive, um, for a number of years now. And it's always come down very closely in the championship points race. Um, Chris Windham, I have uh, no doubt it's going to be up there as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, looking forward to this USAC season actually getting out to more of the events myself so that'll be a, a change of pace this year but um I'd say those uh, those three definitely uh definitely going to be tight USAC sprint car season kicks off April 2nd and 3rd the same weekend uh, actually I think they're at Lawrenceburg for their season opener while the all-stars go to Attica we have a uh, before we get you out of here we have a um motocross event going on right now tell us about it what is it um the james stewart uh championship i guess tell us about that yeah so if you even if you are not a hardcore motocross supercross fan you probably have heard of james stewart um js7 he is one of the most well-known and most accomplished professional motocross and supercross racers of all time um he's now retired but he has held the james stewart uh, spring championship at freestone motocross which is in texas for a number of years now so it's one of the most prestigious um amateur motocross events and um we have seen so many racers come from there like austin forkner for example we posted the photo of him on um the watch guide this week on flow racing is he raced um, in 2016, I believe he took an overall win. And the very next year he went pro and Austin Fortner has been a guy who's been setting it on fire in the pro scene. So um, it's a, I'd consider it now Loretta Lynn's in terms of amateur motocross, if you're familiar, is the upper echelon. It's the pinnacle of amateur moto, um, but JS7, the, the spring championship is certainly up there as well. And Freestone motocross um, is just a very, very, very well-known, very popular and prestigious motocross track. So this event, it just, they, 
absolutely pack the place. It's there. Uh, the gates are are so so full each and every year. I expect this year to be no different. Um, so it's a it's a really great time. I believe we start streaming at like eight in the morning, and they're going to be streaming until um, before sundown, probably like four or five p.m. So it's full days of racing. We're streaming all week on Flow Racing. I believe that wraps up on Friday. Cool. Great stuff, Haley. Thanks so much. Uh, a lot of stuff coming up on Flow Racing this year and uh, looking forward to seeing your, a lot of your content. Thanks for everything you do for the sport and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you guys so much. It was re really great to talk to you, Tyler and Dylan. Thanks, Haley. Carson Elledge is next. This is episode 27 of the Loud Pedal Podcast. March 19th and 20th, the Devil's Bowl Speedway Spring Nationals. It's the return of the Lucas Oil American Sprint Car Series National Tour. Two full nights of action with double the sprint cars both nights. March 19th, Modifieds and Factory Stocks join the mix. March 20th, Limited Modifieds and Texas Wing Modifieds complete the card. Both nights, the action goes great at 8 p.m. For ticket prices, directions, and more, call 972-222-2421 or log on to devilsbowl.com. Welcome back to the Loud Pedal Podcast here on Flow Racing. This is a special episode, special podcast, uh, Women's History Month here on Flow Racing. We're celebrating it with Haley Shanley. We just talked to you. Now we have Carson Elledge on the line. And Carson, I think you're about to break some news here on the podcast. We don't get much breaking news. Dylan usually hides it if Wyndham's going to the NASCAR Cup Series, so he won't tell me for two months. Um, but we like to break news on here. You know? I think the last time, one of the last times I was on the podcast, Dylan had just um, become one of my teammates at TBM and also didn't share that with us. And I did the whole podcast, not having any idea and then felt super silly when I hung up. <laughs> oh, did that right. really that right, actually. Yeah, I think that, I think oh, that so is you, right. So Dylan knew that you were going to the team and racing for you guys, but you had no idea, but you were our, our guest that week. Yes, we spent the whole podcast talking about racing for TBM and all this stuff. And then I hang up and I get on Twitter and it's like, Dylan Wilde's running for TBM. I'm like, uh, somebody forgot to mention that. <laughs> not about me. It's, about, it's always about the guests. Not about me. You probably didn't even know he was a race car driver. <laughs> oh, man. So what's your news? What do we got here? So um, I got to talk to you guys at Chili Bowl some about Raceline, my new clothing line, which we launched uh, beginning of February, and it's gone super well so far. Um, so over the last month, we've been working out um, the behind-the-scenes details of bringing a charity on board. So from the very beginning, we knew we wanted to donate a dollar per shirt to a charity. Um, we thought it would be fun to be racing-related, and giving back to the community has always been super near and dear to my heart, and what, what better of a community um, to start with than the racing community. So um, the USAC Benevolent Fund is our um, charity for this quarter. Um, I'm really excited because, one, obviously I raced USAC, and two, um, like I said, giving back has always been really important to me, and being able to do that with um, a community that has been very near and dear to my heart and something that I've been a part of, um, I'm, I'm super excited about it, and it, and it feels, um, you know how racing has that family family um, environment, and it's kind of family-oriented in one big family, so being able to give back to a foundation um, that's a series that I raced with and um, just people that are my friends. Um, it's, it's awesome. Carson, how did this, this all come together, this idea to start this, this company and um, 
and why, you know, I mean, I, I know, I understand that, you know, you know, the concept of, of wanting to kind of stay involved in the sport since you're not really racing very much anymore, but what about a clothing company was, was appealing to you? So, I mean, I grew up, um, loving just fashion in general. Um, I would always be dressing up and, um, I've just always took, taken a lot of pride in my style and kind of my vibe. And so I wanted to kind of bring that into, into racing and, and bring my influence into racing in a different form. Um, and I thought this was going to be the perfect outlet. And I, there's a lot of clothing lines and clothing brands, um, in racing that are super cool, but I didn't really feel like there was anything that was universal to all types of motorsports. Um, and so, you know, you can't, it's not, you can only wear this if you like sprint cars or you can only wear this if you like motocross or, or karting or whatever. Um, I wanted something that was universal for everybody. And back to my point of, of family, you know, something that is not exclusive to a certain group or exclusive to certain types of things. I wanted something for everybody. Um, and thankfully so far, I think with the designs that we've come out with and, um, kind of the vibe that we've created on social media, I think that that has really, um, come through and I think it can only get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you officially retired from race car driving? Can, uh, is that another thing you can break news or no? Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. I mean, I think yes, because... I, I, well, I loved driving and I loved being at the racetrack. Like I never, I can go to the racetrack now and I watch Jason and, and my friends and everything. And I'm never like, oh man, you know, I wish I was out there. Like, and I feel like that's kind of how I know that that season in my life has, has passed. Um, it was fun and it was a great hobby, but I think, um, for my brain's sake, <laughs> it's probably a good thing that I, I think I'll just go ahead and say I'm for real retired. <laughs> wow. What, um, Dylan's right behind you. Dylan's right behind you. Aren't you Dylan? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, uh, I, I relate to all of that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I applaud you though, because I know it's, uh, I know it, it's not an easy decision, but, um, for Raceline, you know, what, what are your goals and, and aspirations? I mean, what do you, what's kind of your, your long-term vision, I guess, for this, or if, or do you even have one? Have you gotten there yet? Well, so I kind of, from the beginning have taken a look at things like Vans and Brixton and Hurley and, and brands like that, that I have that stuff in my closet, but I don't skateboard and I don't, I don't surf. I don't do any of those types of things, but I like the design and I like the vibe of the brand and just kind of what it's all about. And so I kind of, that's what I want Raceline to be too. You know, if, if you have no idea what racing is, or if you know what it is, but you just like, you don't want a shirt with a car on it, you know, I want, I want it to go kind of to that level of you can walk in zoomies and, you know, Raceline could be on the rack next to all of those types of things. So and like that goes back to the point of just something for everybody, you know, like it's, it's, I want it to be just more of a lifestyle brand and not specific to racing, um, or any type. So I think that's something that I've looked at from the very beginning is van or things like that. Um, I don't skateboard and I wear vans, I don't surf and I have like a Hurley t-shirt, things like that. And so kind of, that's what I want Raceline to be, um, in the next however many years. 
how much uh, of an influence is your mom to uh, doing this? You know, because she's behind the scenes in racing. She's, you know, built a tremendous career uh, in racing, not behind the wheel of a race car drive, you know, not behind the wheel of a race car. Uh, that's important. That's important to our industry. She's one of the most influential uh, people in our industry. Yeah, I definitely look up to my mom in more ways than one. I mean, aside from just being a incredible businesswoman, I also admire the way that she runs her business and the way that she is, you know, she is all, she's your boss at Junior Motorsports, but she knows your name. She knows uh, when your kid's birthday is and she's, she's just a genuine good person. And that comes through in her business and in her business practices. And so even um, aside from building an empire like my mom, I also want to kind of have that same, I look up to her in that way of being personable and always being humble and never forgetting kind of where you came from. So is Jason like the vice president of Raceline? Like how much is he involved <laughs> in the design of these products? Or what's going on? I, uh, I think I need, it might not be well for our relationship if I shared some of that stuff with him, but I do um, kind of, cause okay, so Jason is a perfect example of somebody that you would want to appeal to. Okay, he's a race car driver, but also, you know, if you know Jason, you know he's kind of quirky outside of that. And he, you know, he wears vans, he wears that type of stuff. And so like, I'll run designs by him and be like, if you were to walk into such and such store, would you pick this up? Or if it wasn't mine, would you, <laughs> would you buy it? And thankfully he's honest with that stuff. So um, yeah, he, and he's, he's my biggest supporter too. Like he's always um, hyping me up, being my hype man when I need it. So that's, um, that's nice. And that's important. And he wears it and he's my model. If I need him to, uh, take pictures for me or anything like that. So, or if I need a retweet on Twitter, um, he's got my back there. So yeah, he, he's helpful when, um, I'm picking like what designs to drop next or if I like a design or tweaks on a design. Um, but beyond that, we, I got to keep that separate or else we might, we might fight. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Everything would have flamingos on it or something. No, seriously, I know. It probably would. We, I told him, too. I was like, we need to do like a – I know people were wanting an alphabet soup uh, J-Mac shirt, but I was like, it would be still fun. Still should. Cause, yeah, I know. We, we still could. And, and But I told him it would probably be fun to do like – because his style would totally fit like what what our style with Raceline is too. We could do definitely a funny flamingo shirt or something. He's he's pretty creative when it comes to that stuff. Maybe we should maybe we should try testing that, like do an alphabet soup, like a a collab or something, Raceline Flow Racing, put on the Flow Racing merchandise site and see if it sells before Chile will next year. I guarantee you it will. Hey, we could do that. We could we could I'll have my people contact your people, which is me. Okay, yeah, because I don't make those decisions. <laughs> <laughs> we also maybe need to get a loud pedal shirt on there on Raceline's yeah. website, maybe. Our goal too, yes. like another thing that we've talked about is we do want to end up doing collabs like with with drivers or whatever it is. Um we think that that would be cool. We just got to get a little more established and then that's kind of and I've talked to people like um Tops up here bud and Throttle Down Threads. We've all kind of been in conversation too, just helping each other out. Um, but also talking about some ways to collab and kind of help help everybody out because it's hard getting started in in a in a business and then also just in racing when there's already already so much on the market. Um, so it's been nice to hang out and talk with those guys too because it's been helpful and 
everyone's super welcoming. So I was going to say, give yourself a plug. Where can people buy your stuff? Oh, so, um, raceline.com is our website. There's, um, all there's five shirts on there right now and a hat. And then tomorrow, or I guess once this comes out, it'll be today. Um, <laughs> we'll have three new shirts on there and then we've got quite a few in the chamber. So you can follow us on our social media, which our Instagram is Raceline Clothing. Our Twitter is Raceline underscore underscore. And then Facebook is just Raceline Clothing. Um, if you turn your post notifications on, we'll always be posting when there's brand new stuff and then throughout the week as well. So you will never miss um, a drop or anything. And you can also sign up for our mailing list on our website, which um, our mailing list always gets first access to the new stuff. So you definitely want to be on that. I know that uh, Dylan and I both, uh, you know, love the the organization, the USAC um, Benevolent Fund. Uh, Bill Marvel, who just recently passed away, um, important to him. Uh, you know, he helped, you know, build that thing to what it is today. And uh, we think it's really cool that you're donating to that charity. Uh, before we go, you have more laps at Millbridge Speedway than Dylan Welch does easily. Um, can you give him some advice? Because he's going to try to win a track championship this year uh, in the micro. Ooh, well... Honestly, Millbridge, when I used to race, it was like hammer down, bang the boards, don't lift, keep it as straight as possible. But I was just watching a race there the other day. I was watching my brother, and it does not look like the top is very dominant anymore. So I, <laughs> I guess if it gets up there, you just got to hammer down. And uh, other than that, watch out for the crazies. <laughs> the very first time I went to Millbridge was for an outlaw cart race, <laughs> and I didn't know anything. It was like right after I moved to North Carolina. I didn't know who anybody was. Went over there, and I saw this three car out there ripping around, and I asked somebody, I'm like, who is that? They're like, well, that's Carson. And I was like, super impressed. So I know you I know you know how to get around there. So uh, I'll try uh, I'll try to do uh, do an homage to you out there ripping around. So fingers crossed. I miss the days of of knocking down the fence at Millbridge. So good luck. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks so much. We'll see you uh, the rest of the season. And if you want to, give me a shirt or I'll buy one from you and I'll uh, wear it on camera for you. Yeah, how about you buy you one, Tyler? Me? I'll buy one. I'll buy one. <laughs> okay, well, if you and you just send me your information again, I'll have my people get with your people. We can hook it up. Yeah, if you want, if you want to give me one, that's that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carson. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Carson Elledge, everyone, uh, of Raceline, former USAC National Midget Racer with uh, Tucker Boat Motorsports, your former teammate, Dylan Welch, for a year. Um, she's also a good outlaw kart racer, raced at Millbridge growing up. And, of course, we were talking there. Her mom owns Junior Motorsports. She is Dale Earnhardt's granddaughter, and she is also Dale Jr.'s niece. So, um some star power there, star power there, but uh, of course she's made a, a nice career out of herself, um, you know, building a race line empire, if you will. Yeah, well, and I like what she said too about you know how uh, how it's marketed to you know both racing people and and you know people who are are just casual fans. You know, I like I like the comparison to the Vans and Hurley brand because I'm the same way. You know, I I am the furthest thing from a skateboarder or a you know surfer and and also have those brands in my closet too. So I like that I like that approach and I think that uh, you know like she said she's got a good um, you know good role model in her mom you know to you know get a little bit business savvy and um, excited to see what the future holds for Raceline.
Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll see her at USAC races uh, with Jason McDougall, who is working on both uh, Kevin Thomas Jr.'s sprint car and also racing some midget races and some dirt silver crown races uh, for Clat Enterprises. All right, let's get to our hat shakes. Uh, we had some racing this week uh, on Flow. Sprint cars raced uh, at Lincoln, where Danny Dietrich won a feature event there. Uh, Port Royal opener Lance DeWeese has now won four Port Royal openers in four different decades, Dylan Welch. He has a combination of four of them. Of course, remember last year he won uh, the Tuscarora 50 for the seventh time, and also that was his um, you know, fourth in a four different decades as well. So 40 years, Lance DeWeese has been dominating PA sprint car racing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's hard to fathom doing something – doing anything for 40 years, but doing it successfully for 40 years is, is even more amazing. So, uh, my hat goes off to him. It's crazy. Um, we had some 360 sprint car races as well, uh, out on the West coast at Keller auto speedway, JJ Hickel in a very good battle, uh, with Joel Myers jr. I think I saw that Joel Myers jr. Is 14 years old up there. Sounds about right for California. Yeah. Elbows up uh, with the 360 sprint cars. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to um, fact check that. That might be right. Somewhere very low in age. But anyways, he finished second to J.J. Hickel. Uh, Shane Golubic was third. That was the first night at Colorado Speedway. And the final night, Dominic Selzy wins from Fresno, California. Uh, wins at Colorado Speedway with the sprint cars as well. The World of Outlaws, two races. Magnolia Speedway, Sheldon Hottenshield finally gets his first win of the World of Outlaws sprint car season. And then David Gravel wins his first of the World of Outlaws sprint car season, uh, the final night at the Rev. Six for six, Dylan Welch with the World of Outlaws, six different winners in six races. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing start to the year for them and, and two great races over the weekend. Um, obviously, that that gravel Brad Sweet race at the Rev was um, was really, really great stuff. And, um, you know, cool to cool for them to go to, you know, two new racetracks and, and them both be you know, pretty successful and, and, um, you know, highly, uh, excitable shows, you know, people seemed excited about them. And, um, that's, that's always good when you go to a new place and it, it delivers. Absolutely. Uh, who's your chat? Who's your hat shakes? Who do you got? Mine is going to Ryan Timmons who won the USAC CRA sprint car race, um, at, uh, the Kern dirt track maybe, uh, but was, it was in a three sixty, uh, which is, um, you know, normally, uh, a 410 series, you know, it's the primary, you know, primary engine is 410s out there. And I think he was only the third guy in the series history to win with the 360. So, uh, held off Davey Ray, who was, you know, pounding the top, looking for any way around him. And, and he just re- rolled around the bottom and, uh, scored his first career win. So that's uh, always cool when, um, you know, when a guy who's, who's underpowered like that can hold off, um, you know, hold off somebody with, with much more power. So that was cool to see. Yeah, congrats to him. Max Adams uh, won March 13th. Thanks for reminding me of uh, the USAC CRA uh, races. So congratulations to Ryan Timmons and Max winners. Uh, I saw that uh, old old Timmy, T-Rex, loud pedal, uh, he was shooting those races out there on Colonel Flow. So he came out of retirement and ran the old top cam, D. Welch. Broke it out. Got her going. That's always good. Uh, I'm going to go with Greg Wilson, who won his first race – in a long time uh, with the USCS Sprint Car Series. Um, you know, we've, I think on this pod, we've actually might have made fun of Tony Stewart for racing those races a lot and winning those races. But 
hats off to Greg, Greg Wilson for going down there and beating the USCS 360s who have been getting a lot better and um, have been put on the national radar here recently uh, with him and Danny Smith and, and others running for those guys down there in the South. So congratulations to Greg Wilson on winning a sprint car feature. Also, um, I think maybe a, a hat shake to Freddie Raymer who won at Williams Grove. And uh, well, you know, we had uh, the NASCAR races, but none hats. of our guys won, but we don't need hats. to talk to them. Talk about them. We got hats flying all over the place here. <laughs> no. Oh, and also my final hat shake, because this is Women's History uh, Month, and we are celebrating women's history on the podcast. All of the influential uh, women who make up this industry, whether they be wives of race car drivers or those who work in sanctioning bodies, whether it be with USAC or the All-Stars or the World of Outlaws, those who work on flow racing, be it um, Gabby, who, who works in marketing here, who's a phenomenal, phenomenal asset to flow racing, wouldn't be here uh, if it wasn't for her. And also Jay-Z, who um, headed up uh, content here at Flow Racing uh, before Colby Paxton has taken over. So um, those, along with like Lauren Stewart, who's a promoter, Cecilia Bacon, who's a promoter too. Um, there are just a lot of influential women. Uh, Hannah, your, your, your girlfriend, Hannah Newhouse, who is phenomenal on TV and on pit road for the motor racing network. So there are a lot of influential women in racing that deserve an odd D Welch. Absolutely. And, and hell, even all of our moms for, you know, putting up with us when we were all young and, and trying to get involved in the sport. Um, That's right. You know, deserve, deserve endless praise for uh, just allowing it to happen. So um, yep. Women are the best and, and they wouldn't, uh, there wouldn't be a sport without them. I can guarantee you that because there would be a, uh, there'd probably be a lot of guys that wouldn't be allowed to go race if their wives weren't understanding and supportive. And, um, you know, we thank all of them for all that they do. Yeah. And Shirley Kears also comes to mind too. Long time owner of Kears speed shop, uh, in Ohio selling race parts to, uh, racing members, uh, for a long time in the Ohio area. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much to all the women in the sport. And, um, you know, it's nice to celebrate you guys uh, this, you know, this month and everything you do for the racing industry and here on Flow Racing. All right. That is our hat shakes of the week here on Flow Racing for the week of March 12th and 13th. Uh, thanks to Carson Elledge for coming on the show today. Um, she did text me and say she wanted to mention that. Uh, like with USAC, uh, they're going to be doing drawings for like tickets. One of their races is going to be in their drawing. Um, if it were a, you know, USAC is going to be the first quarter they do this. The next quarter, they're going to pick a different foundation. So if there are other foundations that want to get involved, um, you could, you know, potentially give like, you know, events or um, tickets or stuff like that away with the t-shirts and, and stuff like that. So um, that is where um, Carson Elledge is right now. And we appreciate her doing that for USAC. You know, the benevolent fund is important to us. Dylan, both of us worked for USAC. And during that time, you know, we probably had a relationship with Bill Marvel. Um, that was, um, you know, sad to see him pass, you know, recently, but uh, it's cool to see the fund move on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and Josh Laycock runs the Benevolent Fund now who uh his family is is deeply deeply rooted in uh in USAC racing and and just racing in general. So it's in good hands now, but um yeah, the Benevolent Fund is is, you know, phenomenal. Obviously aids um injured racers or or um race team members or or whoever whoever it is, you know, somebody involved in racing, you know, the Benevolent Fund is is a great um, great foundation that, 
uh, you know, helps helps aid with, you know, medical costs and, and everything else that goes along with, with injuries like that. So uh, great cause, you know, great, uh, great first choice for Carson to, to have her, uh, you know, her proceeds going there. And um, if that uh, if that doesn't encourage you to, to buy something, then I don't know what else will. If I would give you one advice this weekend, go watch the Short Track Super Series. It's a tremendous series. Stuart Friesen races in it. Dylan, you know that name from the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, but names like Max McLaughlin and, um, well, this past weekend, Matt Shepard winning. Um, Flow Racing has acquired big block modifies in the Northeast, and they are fantastic racing. Uh, there's two races this weekend on Flow Racing. Go watch it. Um, we have decided while we were recording this, that Aaron Crocker Evernham's interview um, needs to be by itself. It needs to be an episode by itself. It's that good. Um, Haley and Carson Elledge's, you know, Carson Elledge's being at a breaking interview and then Haley being a tremendous interview as well. We're going to put those together. So episode 27 will be Carson Elledge and Haley Shanley. Episode 28 you'll get next week uh, with Aaron Crocker Evernham, the first and the first female to win a World of Outlaws uh, Sprint Car Series event. This is a two-week celebration of women's history on Flow Racing, and we're excited about it. All right, where are you going this week, dude, Welch? What the, you were at Phoenix last week. Where are you at this week? You're muted, I think. Oh, I am. Yep. Uh, I'm going to Atlanta on Saturday, and then uh, we're moving on Sunday, so it'll be a, be a busy weekend. You're going to Atlanta. Did I see that NASCAR? And I think Matt Weaver. Oh, by the way, breaking news. Matt Weaver is now a Flow Racing um, staff member. He will be riding for us this quarter from April until the end of June. We are super excited to have Matt Weaver, who writes for Auto Week on. Uh, but I saw that Matt Weaver tweeted, there will be sniff COVID dogs in Atlanta. Is this accurate? Apparently. What does that mean? They can sniff the COVID out of you? I don't know. Maybe they got to sniff your butt or something. They can smell the COVID on you. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Aaron Crocker, Evernham will be that episode. Check out the winged rankings. They're out on flowracing.com, the third edition of the wing rankings. Check them out. <laughs>